Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and absolutely wonderful individual, Marcusan Nasso, about what comics he would take into an alien invasion apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. To support their work, you can become a friend of Comic Scene for just £20 a year. When you become a friend, you get access to premium content on the website, including Comic Scene Weekly, Newsstand Comics, Retro Comics, Comic Shop of the Week, and free comic downloads. To find out more, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Marcus San Nasso. How's it going? Hey, Samuel. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm feeling sexy. I got a I got a new comic book coming out soon. It has me excited. Oh, cool. I'm drinking a killer beer. I'm excited nice. to be a, on your Metal as Hell podcast to talk about the end of the world. Plus, nice, man. my wife and I gardened for the first time over the weekend, which was a really oh, classic, strange, Ditto. satisfying experience. <laughs> Isn't it? It's so funny. Although my gardening involved um, demolishing a shed and piling it in a neat pile for a removal company. Well, that's, but, so uh, demolition. You know, oh, that's exactly. Yes. I pulled weeds. There you uh, go. You, you win. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Um, but that is fantastic to hear. Um, and uh, it, it's absolutely wonderful to have you on the show. Um because uh, I'm I'm a fan of your work already, oh, thank um, you. but um, for for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, um, please tell the listeners what you do in the world of comics. Yeah, so, so I'm a writer, and currently I am working on a sci-fi fantasy series called By the Horns. It's published by Scout Comics. Uh, for people who haven't heard of it, uh, I pitched the book as the last unicorn meets Kill Bill. And it's about a hunter named Elodie who wants to kill all the unicorns on the continent of Salathus for trampling her husband. The problem is that it's impossible to find unicorns. So out of frustration, Elodie just starts going out into the wild, looking to slay any horned monsters that attack her. Uh, (laughs) And unfortunately, all that monster hunting affects her standing in the farming village of Wayfarer where she lives. And the elders uh, exile her for neglecting to help the community. So she sets out with her telepathic half-wolf, half-deer friend, Sajin, to try to make one last go at tracking down unicorns and getting revenge. But they, uh, they end up discovering that there's an even greater threat out there than unicorns. There are these four ancient wind wizards who have been abducting all the mystical creatures on Solithus for mysterious reasons. So Elodie winds up teaming with two unicorns who don't know she wants to murder them. <laughs> and uh, she can rip off their horns and merge them together to form any magical weapon she imagines. So uh, the series is it's about stabbing horned monsters, because that's fun. But it's also about a woman who feels like all she has left in life is revenge. And she has to decide what's more important, getting back at unicorns at all costs or mm-hmm. standing up for the larger community and stopping this massive looming threat to the entire continent and all the creatures yeah. on it. And uh, By the Horns also features a really stunning art by my buddy and co-creator. Yes, Jason absolutely Miller. fantastic. Yeah, Colors by Andre Tabakaru on the on Volume 1 
And he also worked yeah. on my first series, which was a uh, voracious that came out uh, from action lab. We did three volumes of that. And now we have a new colorist, um, uh, on by the horns named Steve Cannon. And we have a, a follow-up series to the first, uh, eight issue arc and it's called by the horns, dark earth. And it's set to come out any day now. It's supposed to come out the 20th actually, but, um, it's been pushed back to the 27th, but I don't, I don't know if it's actually going to come out because people probably <laughs> know there's a lot of delays in publishing these days with the paper shortage yeah. and, and all yeah. that. But uh, yeah, it picks up six months after the epic issue eight finale uh, from the first series. So that's what I'm working on right now. Awesome. And um, yeah, I'm also a host on the Metalheads podcast and uh that's really fun the boys and i talk about news new releases uh, we interview metal musicians every month and uh, we also do some fun segments like uh, top five lists and uh, metal thunderdome that pits two albums against each other and nice. uh, the cast usually goes like four to five hours long so <laughs> sweet yeah, yeah. Our, we do the interview Good right you guys it's yeah super, yeah samuel it's like it's great like we do these interviews with, with these uh these musicians and uh, they're really in depth because, you know, we take our time. It's like, it's like hanging out with friends, sitting around drinking beer and discussing heavy music. And then the musicians usually stick around and then talk about news with us. They do like the top five or the Thunderdome. So we really get to, to know all of these, these great creative forces in in metal. And um, so I love, I love doing the metalheads podcast. I just did one over the weekend and, even people who don't like metal listen to the cast. They they tell me um, that they just enjoy the camaraderie of everybody on there. And, uh, you know, that's just an immense uh, compliment to me. So. No, so that's awesome, go. man. So good. And uh, yeah, no, by, by the horns is, uh, is how I got introduced uh, to your work. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just such an awesome story, man. Um, you. you know, congratulations with that. Um, obviously for, for for your storytelling and writing, um, but also to the whole creative team um, for for creating such a wonderful um, piece of piece of work um, that you introduced to the world. Um, but my, my my question before we get into the nitty gritty mm-hmm. of the apocalypse, um, where where did the inspiration come for By the Horns? Uh, yeah, well, it's a, have you ever seen the movie Legend? With uh, yeah. from the eighties, Tom Cruise in a in a metal skirt. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Uh, I love Tim Curry as the darkness in it. And in that movie, he <laughs> wants to get these unicorns and take their horns and plunge the world into complete darkness. And mm. he does get the horns, but he doesn't really do anything with them. The guy has no plan. <laughs> the movie's not a great movie. I love it still, but it's not a great story. You know. So I always thought. <laughs> if there's these unicorn horns in there and that powerful and they can plunge this whole world into darkness, if you just take them, what could you actually do with these horns? And so that's kind of where the, the premise came from. I had this idea that somebody would rip off the unicorn horns, merge them together and form like really powerful weapons out of them. And of course that's not a comic, right? That's just a cool idea. So from there I had to think of like, why would somebody rip off the horns? Uh, what do the horns do? How do the unicorns feel about the horns being ripped off their heads? So that's how it, how it started. And, um, you know, just built it from there. Amazing. That's so good. And that can often be, be the, uh, be the case is that you just have this cool idea and then you start to form a, 
form a story arc mm-hmm. from that. That kind of happened uh, with me for for Milford Green, um, myself, my Victorian space adventure series, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's just it's right. it's amazing how how the human mind is able to just take the nugget of an idea and then form it into something. Right, because it's like. I have a lot of those, right? And sometimes they don't go anywhere. I still just yeah. have them and I don't know if yeah. I'm going to be able to make mm-hmm. a story up, but then sometimes it just, it clicks, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. so I have one, I have a great cold open for a horror story right now. Like, like just a killer opening. And nice. I have no idea what the story is yet, but I can't wait. Exactly. To just write it down, down have, it, have it on the back burner. It will percolate. And then one day it's going to turn into an right. awesome, awesome comic. And you know how it is. Like you just, you just be sitting there like, Oh my God, I just thought of an amazing idea for how to progress this story. So yeah, uh, yeah I love it. Yeah. That's the fun part That's about exactly writing. It's coming up with stuff. And then for me, it's breaking the story for sure. You know, whether it's the, yeah. the entire, like when you come up with a, a comic book idea or even like a novel or short story or something mm-hmm. like that, you might have the whole idea, but some, and that's a breaking the story. But then as you're writing it, you might think of something to put in the middle that you didn't think of originally. And, and I like that too, getting excited about each issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, uh, cause I always know the beginning, the end and a lot of the middle, but as I'm writing things change in the middle, it's very malleable. You know? mm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, and um, for the listeners, where can they find you online? Yeah, folks can uh, check out my website at marcasan.com. It's M-A-R-K-I-S-A-N. There's a lot of stuff on there about me uh, with links to sample pages of my comics. There's a, a newsletter that I just started. Um, there's a free eight-page horror story on there that I did with Jason, who worked on By the Horns with me and Voracious. Um, plus, I have an online store where you can uh, pick up signed copies of my books uh, by the horns volume one just came out and I, I put up copies of that signed by me and Jason. It's a, it's a massive trade. It collects all eight issues of volume one plus a pack matter. And it's just $20. Like normally a, a six. That is unreal, man. <laughs> yeah. And we maxed out the page count on it because I asked Scott, I was like, well, how many pages can we get? And like, you can have this many. And I was like, okay, we're going to fill it all. <laughs> we want, we want to give it the biggest bang for the buyer's buck. You know, uh, you can, uh, you can also find me on Twitter. My name is Darth San on there. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Darth Marcuson. And if uh, if you want to stay in the know about By the Horns, you can follow us on social media. The book's handle is uh, at By the Horns Comic on all platforms: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And um, the last thing is uh, Metalheads Podcast. Um, you can go to metalheadspodcast.com to play the episodes, or just you know listen to it on your favorite podcast app. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Metalheads Pod, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram at Metalheads Podcast. Nice man, and of course, all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So go uh, go check out Marcus Sands' uh, work whilst we're we're chatting away. Uh, now, all of that aside, I do have some bad news for you, and that is the aliens have invaded. I'm afraid. And uh, my my first, I know just you were having such a sexy day, and now now, now it's turning into just a pajama day. Um, and, hey, I don't know, maybe don't you feel sexy, sexy in your pajamas. pajamas. I was going to say, I immediately regretted saying that. Um, but uh, what is your action plan for survival in the alien invasion? Yeah, man, I I think this is like the hardest one out of all of them, but also the most fun. 
if aliens invade, we have absolutely zero chance of defeating them. So mm-hmm. I'm throwing on a ghillie suit and I'm heading for the Canadian woods, Samuel. Half of the country <laughs> is forest. And I don't think aliens are going to bother with nature at all. If they're invading, they're coming down in fancy ships and their hobbies include playing with space lasers, math, and grilling human kebabs. They are not going to be in trees. <laughs> they're going to target cities. They're going to target monuments. They're going to go for the densely populated areas to get to the most people snacks possible. So I'm hauling ass north as far from humanity as I can get, where I will be very hard to find, but I can also get fresh water. I can hunt and fish in seclusion. I can throw on some mud and shrubs if Predator suddenly shows up and tries to take my skull. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to Canada. (laughs) Absolutely. And is your wife going with you? I think she'll probably be killed in the, the first blast, but I, you know, I'll try to get her there. I'm going to try to get <laughs> exactly. her there, of course, because I love her very much. And my cat, so because so, he's, oh, he's like wonderful. my child. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Um, excellent. So the three of you make it into Canada, and you manage to find this absolutely picturesque spot um, next to a lake um, with, a, with a running river into it so you mm-hmm. can get salmon and, and things like that and fresh water and, um, and all of that jazz. Um, and, uh, yeah, just one, one night, um, you're, you know, cooking some, uh, some freshly caught salmon, um, on a, on a fire. And, uh, you start reminiscing about the good old days of, uh, of the, um, of civilization mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, your your wife asks you uh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying yeah i mean i had to think about this for a bit but then it came to me right away and the first comic i remember reading was this fisher price superman from krypton to metropolis hardcover that was released in 1982 and it had a comic book art in every page and, and sometimes there were word balloons for characters but most of it was prose and it told the story of Superman's origin. And it also detailed his history with Lex Luthor and how they became enemies. Excuse me. But the thing that was cool about this book was that it came with a cassette tape featuring a full cast who read the Mm -hmm. story. And the book had this plastic sleeve attached to the back where you could store the tape. So um, I actually found the recording on YouTube and I, I just queued up a clip for you. Do you want to hear a little bit of this, Samuel? Cause it's let's go for it. Let's okay. go for it's it. It's about man. a minute long. So hold on a second. Coco. Love it. One morning as Clark was about to leave on an assignment, the building began to tremble. An earthquake. Clark turned from the elevator and quickly made his way to the storeroom. No one else was in there. Swiftly, he shed his suit, revealing the colorful costume of... Superman! A moment later, the famed red and blue clad figure sprang through a window and flew out over the city. Below, he saw streets cracking so violently that parked cars were disappearing into crevices. One or two small buildings were already in ruins, and many large ones were seriously damaged. People were milling about in confusion, searching for shelter. Before anyone was seriously hurt, the first task was to find out what caused the quake and stop it. And that was certainly a job for Superman. That certainly go. was it. That certainly was a job for Superman, wasn't it? Amazing! I love it. And uh, yeah, no. In, in preparation, I did. I checked this out 
and it is yeah totally um it's awesome um it looks so good I, i wasn't aware of this at all yeah you know it just um it came to me because uh, uh, I love the hell out of this thing. I read it yeah. and listened to it constantly when I was a kid. And the funny thing is that mm-hmm. it, it was originally my younger brother, Joe's book, but I, I took it from him so much that he gave it to me for brother's Aww. day. And brother's day was this awesome nice. holiday we made up together. And Aww. on that day, which was completely random every year, we would just gift each other things that we already owned. So it yeah. has like a sentimental uh, value to me uh, as well. Um, but yeah, it's still cool to listen to. You know, hopefully it came through all right in the. Uh, in the yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, awesome. I was totally able to to hear that. But um, for the fakes at home, if you want to listen to it in full, I do believe it is on YouTube um, that you can, you can listen to it all. Um, and of course, I think you you, you can. I, I saw some listings for it on eBay and things like that. So if you want to get the original cassette. I mean, you've still got a cassette player at home. <laughs> Go for it, you know. <laughs> yeah, man, I've I've got a few lying about, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it's all good. It's really um, cool that but, somebody put it up on YouTube, though, that you can listen to. It. I think they broke yeah. it up into like three parts because it's actually pretty long. Yeah, yeah, it's like forty-five minutes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Oh, it's so cool. Um, and so obviously, yeah, um, this was gifted to you by by your brother. Um, and, uh, I, I, about how old were you? Yeah, I was trying to think about that and I'm not really sure how old I was. It came out in mm. 82 and I would have been seven at the time. I'm going to guess that I mm. had it around that age. So, yeah. you know, seven or, or, or eight though. Well, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Nobody ever asked you questions. So I'm going to ask you, so, I mean, <laughs> what's your first comic that you enjoy? Well, um, my, my comics journey, um, only really started in about 2015. I mean, when I was a kid mm-hmm. myself, I, um, I of course read, you know, like every British kid re- read the Beano and Dandy and things like that. And of course I, I enjoyed them. Um, but the, the first one I truly remember just kind of enjoying being aware that it was a comic um, was The Walking Dead, oh, um, wow. because The Walking Dead is what got me into into comics. So um, I obviously watched the show mm-hmm. and then um, discovered that it was based on a comic. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. Um, bought the first volume um, and then got hooked. And then because it was like 2015, I think the first two compendiums were out. And so I was able to buy the first two compendiums and blast through like 96 issues in like in like a weekend. (laughs) So it's like that's crazy too, because 2015, we're talking seven years ago. Like you're pretty new to comics and now you're doing a a podcast where you talk to comic people. So you're you're really do you feel like you were uh, missing out? Because you you got to it yeah no I mean I, I I feel like I I I'm missing out all the time because you know when when people talk about the first comic they remember enjoying or you know certain comics mm-hmm. um, through through the other questions as well um, you know they talk about you know when they were a teenager or you know at, at you know university age and things like that mm-hmm. um and yeah obviously i missed out on all of that i didn't get into comics until like my early 30s so right. um yeah man it's uh 
it's kind of crazy um to try and try and catch up as much as i can but i mean the good thing is is that i i have all of this to kind of um enjoy for the first time as well so there's that too well i was gonna say and i'm a little (laughs) envious because you have all this material that you can go back and read for the very first time Um, and and i gotta say i am thankful that you found comics before the apocalypse good job buddy <laughs> absolutely man yeah i couldn't i couldn't imagine um it's, it's given me so many ideas of how to uh how to survive in the apocalypses <laughs> that could that could come our way um so uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for that uh, which is absolutely fantastic um and uh yeah no so kind of circling back to back to you mm-hmm. um and so obviously this is kind of where your love of comics started but where where did your love of um and passion for writing come from um you know i've always been a writer i've always written things and um i went to school college for that but I, even before that in high school i was writing a lot of stories and poetry and things like that and um mm. my teachers really thought i had something there um and then I went to college, I actually went to the college for paleontology because uh, cool. I really, I just wanted to be Indiana Jones, but then you go to nice. school for paleontology and you find out that um, <laughs> it's not you carrying a bullwhip and like shooting people and like going into cool crypts and with traps and stuff. No, it's you brushing bones for hours. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, but I had to take And the paperwork as well. And the yeah, paperwork, right, man. I've I, I've got a, one of my best friends is actually a paleontologist mm-hmm. himself, um, and you know he, he went to uni and things like that. Um, but now he lives in um, San Francisco. But you know he just has a tremendous amount of paperwork. He says he's sick of it. Um, he he loves like the good bits, but like the bad bits are just. Uh, really annoying right that's like, any you job put though, together a complete skeleton or you find something super rare you know that's cool yeah. but yeah it's not that fun it's just not fun so i i had to take writing because when you go to college you have to take different disciplines you have to take different mm-hmm. courses in order to complete your your college education so um, i took writing and i was writing stories and um at the college i, I wrote a bunch of cool stories and uh um, the teacher told me listen you are a really good writer um you should seriously consider uh, becoming an English major and um, do more stories, but you should not do it here because this school is not for writing. <laughs> this school is for science. <laughs> so I ended up transferring and uh, I ended up uh, getting into a writing program uh, and doing that. So I've always kind of been writing. Um, I wrote comics. I wrote some scripts here and there and I had friends who were artists and they would try drawing some of the comic books, but it never... It never got off the ground. Um, I ha- I've, I've had that happen a few times where artists, they just don't commit to it. You know, you, you got to find mm-hmm. somebody who's really, really dedicated to it to get it launched. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, um, I went to um, Morrison Con. I don't know if you know about Morrison Con. It was a no. um, convention for Grant Morrison that was in uh, Las Vegas. Right. And it was yeah. maybe seven, eight years ago, something like that. And, um, it was expensive. It was like you, you pay for the flight. Everything was like included the flight, the, the, the stay in the hard rock hotel 
And what was cool about this convention, it wasn't like a different convention or a, like a normal convention where you go and they tell you about upcoming stuff. And mm -hmm. this convention was about the creation and the process of making comics and the sheer, like just joy of creating. And so um, they would have panels that would talk about, about that process. And then you would also get to hang out with all the different creators that came there and play games with them and, um, you know, hang, dance with them at like the, the, the wow. bar. And so like Jason Aaron was there and nice. Grant Morrison and just like all these really cool comic book creators. And um, you get to meet a lot of cool people who just loved comic books and the, and the, you know, the power of the medium. And from there, I think um, a bunch of people actually created a comic people who met at Morrison kind of made it. I did not participate in that, but being there and seeing mm. that energy just made me want to, do comics and so that i just started working on those those ideas so that's where comic book writing came from like i would say yeah it's probably like seven or eight years ago i, I broke into comics like five years ago something like that so yeah i started mm -hmm. working on ideas um but yeah i've always been a writer and I, now i've written i wrote a short fiction story um, for an anthology last year and that was really fun so it's it's been a crazy ride. Nice. Yeah, man. No, it's uh, it's it's been fantastic um, to to become aware of your work and um, obviously your your later series by by the horns is doing absolutely stellar. Um, and uh, I've I've very much enjoyed it, and it seems like uh, the the community love it as well. Yeah, man. And people have really responded to it. I mean, people uh, love Voracious too, but um, this book just seems a little bit bigger. You know, our book's been yeah. on a lot of like best of the year list for 2021 and um, just the the community reaction to it, the people who, who keep telling us how much they, they love it. It's just been, uh, it's been a wonderful experience. You know, of course you don't do it for those kind of accolades. You, you, you do it because you, you need to create something, but yeah. When somebody else gets something out of it, it's like, I'm still shocked by it. I don't even consider myself a comic writer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't consider myself a fan. So just to hear that somebody else enjoys the story as much as like I, cre I enjoyed creating it or they tell me, oh, you're my favorite creator. This is my favorite book. It's just, it's overwhelmingly, mm -hmm. um, just positive. You know, it just, I didn't expect any of that. And, mm. um, you know, I hear it every day and it's, it's, uh, it's great. It makes me just want to keep doing more and more, you know? Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, heading back to our um, picturesque campfire, um, the next question that crops up um, is, what's the funniest comic you've read? Yeah, this was a little bit tough because I, I remember a lot of funny moments in comics, but I wanted to choose an actual book that was funny all the way through. And I got one, and uh, I can't believe I forgot it when I was first trying to think about this. But it's definitely uh, Beelzebub's by Finnish cartoonist J.P. Ahonen uh, for me. It's a webcomic series about this black metal loving family and how they go about navigating a mostly mundane family existence. So the comic features the characters doing normal everyday things, but they, they twist each experience through this adorable metal lens. So mm -hmm. for example, this kid whose name is Leviathan, he isn't sleeping <laughs> and his mom comes into the room and asks why he's still up. And Leviathan tells her because mama, there's monsters under the bed and she kisses him and answers, 
Yes, I know. You can play with them tomorrow. Now go to sleep. And then you, <laughs> and, then you see, and then you see the monsters under the bed and they all say goodnight to her as she leaves. So it's just like, you know, it's that classic <laughs> monsters under the bed and you think the kid's going to be scared. But no, he just wants to play with them. It's, it's very much like um, a metal uh, Calvin and Hobbes. It's really cute yep. and funny and, and, and metal. And so those are all the things I can't resist. And I always get a good chuckle every time I read one of the their adventures. And um, I also love that the series, it spawned uh, Beelzebub's full-length metal album called The Pantheon of the Nightside Gods. And it came out in uh, cool. 2019. Yeah, it's really cool. The father in the webcomic is in this metal band. So the album is supposed to, mm-hmm. supposed to be this release from his band. And it's a seriously great black metal record. It's not funny at all. It's metal done superbly well. And the fact that they, they did it and played it straight just made me love the comic even more. Cause in the comic, they're like, they're so serious about metal. And that's kind of what makes the comedy, you know, like everything's matter yeah. of fact, the way they view things as this like mm-hmm. satanic family. So um, yeah, I love it. I mean, I think it's funny no matter who's reading it. I don't think you have to be into metal to enjoy this comic, but uh, I think it definitely enhances it for me because, you know, I love metal. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, what about no, you? You got a funny one? For me, um, just off the off the top of my head, um, um, the the funniest one. Well, off the top of my head is one called the Penned Gwyn. Um, so it's this comic strip, this daily comic strip, um, by the guy's first name. Is he the Stuart or Alan? Sorry, Stuart, Stuart or Alan. Stuart or Alan. Bring it up. It'd be funny if it was Alan. I know. Sorry. I feel terrible. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's the Penguin. Um, Alan, sorry, Alan, Alan Henderson. He has been on the show as well. Um, but yeah, no, he does it. He does a daily, um, comic strip on his Twitter, uh, which is uh, at Penguin. Um, he's, he's also released, uh, done Kickstarters to, to do print runs and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, and it is literally just like a three, um, regular three panel comic strip. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just appreciate the the dedication that Alan puts into it, but um, also the fact that every day it's funny right. as well. Um, and I really appreciate the the fact that it of how much time it takes to come up with singular jokes um, on a daily basis, um, and well, just at least that many. Is it, um, is it so yeah, that's, that's mine. The pen, the penguin. The penguin. Yeah, is yeah. It? Sorry. So the character is a penguin, oh, okay. but it's penned as in you know you, he has penned right. the the drawing. Um and Gwyn. Okay. Um. So yeah, no, it's literally just a penguin, and um, it, there's no real storyline. It's just kind of clearly Alan's kind of daily life, like what he runs into, right, right. <laughs> um, or he's just or he's just thought of a nice uh, a nice uh, joke um to to go off of right, like situational um, comedy but, you know for instance there's this one yeah it's, a, it's situational comedy and stuff like that mm-hmm. um there is no fish under the ice is that you god no i'm the manager or of the ice rink 
just stuff like that. That's pretty good. It's just <clears throat> just stuff like that, you know. Uh, check it out, Penguin. I definitely will. Yeah. That sounds fun. I, I've been going Excellent. back and listening to the uh, the old episodes because I, you know, I just um, found your your podcast. I don't know a few weeks ago, and um, so I've been going back Amazing. and listening to the old episodes. I haven't gotten to, to, to him yet, but uh, now I want to listen to that one. I have to skip back and, and hear what he has to say about the book. So yes, please do. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Hundred um, percent. Excellent. Hey, funny as well, of course. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Excellent. Um, now. Uh, moving on to our next question and kind of shifting gears quite mm. a bit. Um, what's the saddest or most upsetting moment in a comic that you've read? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, this is going to be a spoiler cause, uh, you know, I have to give away the end, but this comic has been around for decades, so I guess I shouldn't feel too bad. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, me, it's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert if you <laughs> right. Uh for me, the saddest moment in a comic by far is the death of Ogami Ito and Yagyu Retsudo in uh, Lone Wolf and Cub Volume 28, The Lotus Throne, by Kazuo Kowiki and Goseki Kojima. And uh, hopefully listeners do know about Lone Wolf and Cub because it's one of the all-time best comic books ever made. Um, but I'll give a little story background before I talk about the sad part so you understand like what the book is about. And the story is about a master swordsman named Ogami Ito, who serves as the shogun's executioner. And his wife, Azami, gives birth to their son, Daigoro. But shortly after, Ito finds her brutally murdered. So Daigoro is also there, but he survives. And there's an investigation, and Ito gets blamed for her death and branded a traitor. Because there's this tablet there that indicates disloyalty to the Shogun. And it turns out Ogami has been secretly set up by the leader of the Ura Yagyu clan, Yagyu Retsudo. Basically, he wants to seize Ito's post and control uh, key positions of power. So Ito is forced to give up his job as the Shogun's executioner. And then he and his son are sentenced to commit seppuku, which is a ritual suicide by disembowelment. But, uh, but Ito gives his son, who's like one year old, I believe at the time, a choice. He can choose a ball or he can choose a sword. If he chooses the ball, then they have to go through with the suicide. If he chooses the sword, then Ogami Ito must take the path of the Ronin instead of killing himself and his son. And Daigoro chooses the sword. So Ogami Hito fights his way out of town and father and son end up wandering the country as an assassin for hire team known as Lone Wolf and Cub. But, uh, but Ito has sworn to destroy the Yagyu clan so he can avenge Azami's death and his disgrace. So that's the setup. So after 27 volumes of the Dark Horse reprint series in the early 2000s, volume 28 at last features this epic duel between Ogami Ito and Yagyu Retsudo. And when I say epic, Samuel, that is not an exaggeration. The battle actually spans three chapters, 178 pages of just fighting. And, and, and finally, at the end, Ito has suffered too many wounds and he dies in front of Daigoro. So with tears streaming down his cheeks, Daigoro he tries to pick up his father's sword and he can't do it. 
So he finds the broken end of a spear from this battle and he charges Retsudo with it. But instead of fending off the boy, Retsudo embraces Daigoro as he rushes him and he lets the spear impale him into the stomach. And with his final few breaths, Retsudo holds Daigoro really close to him and he whispers to him, grandson of my heart. And that's how it ends. It's just like, Brutal. Absolutely heartbreaking and beautiful. And and it's the perfect ending over all these volumes in this amazing battle because over all that time of reading it, you know, you come to find that Retsudo respected Ogami Ito, even though he tried to disgrace him, he did disgrace him, and he tried to take his life. He came to respect Ogami Ito and, and Daigoro's perseverance and their love for each other. And at the end of this battle, it's like he realized the cycle of vengeance and hatred uh, between them and their clans. It just, it needed to end. And uh, it was just super powerful. I just, I don't think there's a a better, <laughs> sadder ending in comics than that. <laughs> it's so tragic. Especially because you just, I mean, you come to I love. It's the lead up to it, though. You love Ogami Ito and Daigoro. You just love them because you have all these these comics of them being together. So, yeah, I'm sad now. And then it all comes to an end. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh man, brutal. Yeah, dude. I mean, that is powerful. You know, um, and I mean, it's it's a brave thing to do, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, to actually bring a comic to an end like that. Um, one that went for so long as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, they're always up against the ads. It's just a father and son against like an entire clan who's, who's using these underhanded mm-hmm. tactics to get the advantage and you're or pursuing him. And, um, so you always kind of had the feeling that something bad might happen, but you hope that it didn't. Yeah. Uh, but it was yeah. the perfect ending for it. Yeah. There you go. And maybe, you know, the, the creators had that ending in mind from the very beginning. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I wish I knew. I think they probably did. I feel like it's so well done. They probably knew what the ending was going to be. But you never know. Yeah. Every writer kind of does it a little bit differently. You know, I like to know yeah. the beginning and the ending. But uh, that's not always the case. You know, that, you, you see that in like television shows. Like you could like a Lost or something. Yeah. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah the end no. so. <laughs> they, they they knew the the end of season one but that yeah, was it that's it <laughs> <laughs> then they did nine more seasons of just like you know um i say like spinning wheel roulette style storytelling yeah yeah i mean <laughs> a little bit i i like the show i watched it all the way through i love the yeah. character episodes you know those yeah. are the most powerful but they would like yeah. start plots and just completely abandon them Oh yeah, and uh, it was really yeah. weird. Like I've never seen anything like that, where you think something's going to lead somewhere, and then they just they just drop it completely. <laughs> like there was a sword or a spear or something in it, and then and then they, they yeah. never talked about that it just... again. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it was a cool idea in the writing room, though. <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but Kazu, Kazuo uh, Koaki and Gosaki yes. Kojima, they were they were masters. So I, yeah, I, I totally. No, they nailed it. Oh, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. That's fantastic, brilliant. Um, now uh, switching gears again, what's the scariest comic you've read? Um, the scariest comic I ever read is a uh, Uzumaki 
by uh, Junji Ito. And um, it's this, oh my God, it's so scary. It's, it's a, it really builds up this sense of dread in it um, where there's these spiral patterns that people mm-hmm. in the book keep seeing. And they seem like they're just like innocuous at first, but you know, there's like people who get obsessed with the spirals and they just like end up like locking themselves in offices and just drawing them and sculpting them and like collecting them. And uh, it just affects everything in this, in this little town. There's a girl who has a, a scar on her head and it slowly grows into a spiral before the spiral like, turns into a vortex and engulfs her whole head, which is like <laughs> creepy as hell. And um, that kind of slow horror, that build of something like unknown and something like a spiral, just the idea of it, of something turning and twisting like that is, is just frightening to me. And um, again, there's another master. Uh, Junji Ito is just a, mm-hmm. just a master of horror. Well, probably my favorite uh, horror writer in anything. So um, yeah, I don't want to give away a lot of stuff in it, but um mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some crazy, it's crazy freaky. stuff. Yes. Where babies? Have you read? Have you read it? I haven't read it. I've, oh I've, I've been meaning to. I tell you what, it's on my it's on my reading list, um, of which has massively increased with the uh, through the podcast, of course, yeah. um, and all the recommendations that I'll I get. Find a pillow to um, hug, you know. Yeah, uh, make exactly. sure lights nearby because yeah. it's uh, it, it's uh, that psychological terror to me, you know, and then mm-hmm. and, you know, it turns into. Like I was saying about that girl's head gets engulfed. Like that's, oh, wow, that's awful. Brutal. But, you know, it's just, it's that, that build. It's the build of it, this terror of the unknown. Mm-hmm. that I think that Junji mm-hmm. Ito is just a master. I mean, you, it, yeah. I think that's really hard to pull off in comics. Yeah. For some reason, comics just aren't that scary to me. I, I feel like yeah. um, it's more of um, a film or television type thing, thing where you, yeah. you can make quick cuts and you can see the movements mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. So Junji Ito has come the closest attention. to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He just is really great at it. So actually, because we were, I was doing this podcast and I had to think of these, these answers. Um, I busted out and read it again. And I was like, I read half. I was like, oh, I, I need a break. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Just too, too mind bending. Have you ever been scared by a comic? You you ever have one that really? Yeah, for me myself, um, I I wouldn't necessarily say say scary, but um, certainly horrifying. I mean, you know, there are some pretty horrifying moments in The Walking Dead um, uh, that are just like yikes. I mean, you know, the the most obvious being, and spoiler alert for The Walking Dead, if you haven't read it already uh but glenn's death obviously is um like just absolutely horrifying and you know one of the more horrifying things is that that's the type of thing that can actually happen in that kind of scenario where you know civilization has collapsed and Mm -hmm. you know it's just you know the wild west again um and that's uh, the thing about that book it's like it's the people like you People, I don't know if people are like inherently good. I think they're probably not. I think that they're going <laughs> to do exactly what they do in The Walking Dead. And I think that's the scariest thing. Yeah. It's, it's so mm-hmm. realistic. Like it's the end of the world. You think that people would try to find some peace and, and live out the rest of the days as, as well as yeah. they can. 
But yeah. there's just people who they don't think that way. They're going to think I got to take as much advantage as I can because I don't know how much time I have left. So I'm going to take what you have, take yeah. what I, you know, what this person has, and I'm not going to think about community. I'm not, I'm not going to care because it doesn't matter, you mm-hmm. know. And um, that that to me is the scariest thing. And and in The Walking Dead, you see with that group, they're very apprehensive to take in new new members to the group and. Yeah. Um, you never know who they're going to encounter. And that, that's the thing I really like about the walking dead too, the comic and, and the television show. Really? They mm-hmm. keep meeting new groups and they don't know how it's going to go. You don't know how it's yeah. going to go. It could start off really well, like the governor or something. You know? Yeah. Right. And then we, well, we all know how that ended up. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's exactly that. And I think it's a, it's, a, it's probably a fair representation of, of what would happen in that actual scenario. Um, and uh yeah no let's just hope it never happens oh, <laughs> but, th- I mean, but thanks to robert kirkwood and charlie atlard for uh right. for bringing it to us <laughs> yeah because uh you know people when they get scared then they they're at their worst you know people get oh yeah no totally um all of that is kind of driven by fear um and uh yeah just wanting to survive i guess yeah. um and kind of you know negan kind of reveals that later on doesn't he kind of you know yeah. he was doing what he thought he had to do to survive to create some kind of you know stability for all of the people he was responsible for yeah, um, character that and things is. i mean oh yeah no it's absolutely fantastic writing i um, mean great great story arc for for him um and uh yeah no um so is walking and, dead your what, favorite all-time comic samuel because i mean that's what i'm gonna be honest it. i'm gonna be honest yes <laughs> probably um although be, right? it does it's kind of you know the one that really got me into into comics and even writing comics as well you know um and uh yeah it's uh it's, it's definitely way up there and then i mean as a as a aside i I immediately went into Invincible as well off of the back of that, you know, having, having learned that. And, you know, I think we were maybe, maybe over a hundred issues deep on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe a bit further along on an Invincible, were they? No, no, they mm. wouldn't be. Um, anyway, uh, about the same. But anyway, I had about a hundred issues of Invincible to mm-hmm. immediately read once I found out about. That. Oh yeah, yeah. Like um, so that was one forty-four. Yeah, one hundred and forty-four in total. But yeah, no, I, I came in before the end, mm-hmm. um, basically, which was kind of cool. Um, so I kind of got to catch up like on a on a load of issues, uh, but I also got to you know um, come in before it. Fin- I mean, I came in before The Walking Dead finished as well. Um, so I got to join in in the end of 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 both of those comics which is yeah, i think kirkman's cool. like massively yeah. underrated writer like obviously he's had a lot mm. of success with the walking dead and even the invincible mm-hmm. cartoon which is really cool but as far as comics yeah. go i think he's just one of the better writers but doesn't mm-hmm. get recognized for that like i yeah i, mean, I love firepower mm-hmm. too that's a great book that you i never mm-hmm. hear anybody talk about and i mean it's just yeah. as good and outcasts <laughs> as well so yeah yeah. I, yeah yeah exactly that's the thing like it it kind of overshadows everything doesn't it um it does. when you've got um two two big series like that and in particular the walking dead of course um but uh yeah no um it's uh those are two of my all-time favorite series and and very influential 
as yes. well um, yes. on me. So yeah, so good. Totally, man. Totally. Uh, now, uh, moving on to my favourite question, um, and that is, what is your favourite cover? Yeah, my uh, my favourite cover is Batman number 431 by George Pratt, and it features a shadowed Batman hanging upside down from this mm-hmm. gnarled tree in the moonlight. So when I was 13 years old, I saw this cover in a spinner rack through the window of a bookstore. Mm-hmm. I was out nice. uh, school shopping with my mom in the mall, and I saw it. So it stopped me dead in my tracks when i saw that bet it did (laughs) so i went in and i bought it and it was the first comic i ever purchased myself i mean obviously like we talked about before i remember that superman Mm -hmm. book but i didn't really start collecting comics or really getting into them until this book so i read it and as soon as soon as i got home and um the second i finished it i asked my mama to take me to a comic shop so i could get more batman issues and of course you know going to a comic shop it opened my eyes to this massive world of, of comic book stories. So I haven't stopped reading comics since that day I saw the cover. And um, I should also mention that uh, the haunting cover drew me to the book. Without that, I wouldn't even be reading comics. But it was also the story. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's by Christopher Priest. He's actually credited as Jim Owsley in the issue because that was right. his name back then. Um so uh, reading that, it, it made me really excited to explore, you know, all the worlds inside the pages of comic books. Because in the book, I think Batman's like in the Himalayas and he's searching for knowledge about this like death strike technique so he can learn more about it. And uh, right. Jim Aparo did the artwork inside. And like, I always think of him as my Batman artist, you know, because he was the first mm. one I really got into. Um, and then nice. four years ago. I had a C2E2 here in Chicago, which is a big comic book convention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I got a chance to meet Priest. He had a table in the same row I did. Cool. And uh, uh, I thanked him for introducing me to comics, this creative medium that I love so much. And he was surprised mm. to see Batman 431 because I brought it there. And because uh, it's pretty old now. And he hasn't gone mm-hmm. by Jim Owsley in a really long time. And he actually signed it, Jim Owsley. And, personalized oh, it to cool. me. and he could not have been more nice it was it was definitely one of the yeah. best moments in my life because this is the this is the comic that got me reading comics mm-hmm. and um, that george pratt cover man i don't know how many um covers george pratt did but holy shit that is a, just an iconic cover to me when yeah. samuel whenever i see it out in the wild like if i'm in a mm-hmm. comic shop if I'm at a convention, I will buy that book. And I have like, I don't know, 17 mm-hmm. copies of it or something. Nice, man. Cool. My wife it's framed really one cool, for right? me. The first one I ever oh. got, she framed it for me. So um, nice. So I have that. But then I have like a bunch more copies. I just keep buying it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, that was, uh, it, it's just hugely impactful and just deeply mm-hmm. meaningful to me, you know? Totally. I got to know yours. Um, I feel like yeah. you're going to do this okay. another time and I'm asking you all the questions now, but I got to, I got to know what your favorite cover is. <laughs> totally, man. Um, yeah, no, um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back, back to that. Um, but, uh, for, for, for your cover, um, so Batman 431, everyone go check it out, Google it. Um, it's the one, yeah, where Batman is, as you said, hanging from a, um, kind of like a really, gnarly tree um with the moon behind and the cape Mm -hmm. is like hanging down from him 
Yeah. And I mean, just out of out of interest, um, well, you know, you see, you didn't speak to George Pratt, but I was, just, or did you? Did you ask um, the author um, about why they went for that cover at all? I didn't. You know, there was a pretty big line for Priest at the yeah. time, and I, I was like, yeah, exactly. So it was excited. a quick. It was a quick interaction. I mean, I because t- yeah. I talked about how I got into the into comics because of yeah. this story and, yeah. and this book and everything. But yeah, I didn't go into the, the whole cover. I did have a maybe yeah. it was like a five minute conversation with them, but uh, I I felt like I was lingering too long a little bit. Yeah, I so, hear you. you know, I hear you're right. Yeah, I should I should have asked that because that cover is so significant no, to me. But um, it, it's almost yeah. a question for George Pratt, who who I don't even. It is. Yeah. I think he's still around, um, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know that he does comic stuff anymore. You know. No, because it's 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 really it's just a really interesting cover, I think. Um, because yeah, I mean, Batman's upside down, and of course, you know, with gravity, the the cape is hanging right down, but it, it does kind of almost look like a like a ghost escaping him or something. Yeah, you know, no, it's haunting. It? It's like um, it's Batman. You know it's Batman in the shadows. He, he's the, it's that Batman that strikes the fear in the hearts of the criminal element. Mm. You know what I mean? And uh, I think he just captured yeah. it better than I've ever seen it. And it's weird too, because it really doesn't have anything to do with what's inside the issue. It's just a killer cover. Yeah. Um, but totally. yeah, I, I, that's what it, it just drew me in. Like, here's this figure. You can tell he's a man, but he's, he's more than that. You know, yeah. just to be able to hang upside down like that. Yeah, like that. Like, what's he gonna do Just next? Be hanging out. What's he gonna do yeah, exactly. from that position? Yeah. You can't even see his face. You're like, oh no. <laughs> I reckon he's gonna do, he's gonna do some CrossFit. I reckon, isn't he? He's just going to start, start doing some chin-ups and muscle-ups and stuff like yeah, that. That's true. He's going to do like chin-ups but using his legs. Like he's just going to grip it from his legs or something. Yes. Oh yes. God. He's going to hook his feet in. What do you call and that? Then, and then he's going to do um, like a, like a uh, uh, upside-down sit-up. Thing. Yeah, that would be funny, um, isn't he? You know, <laughs> no. but uh, yeah, go, go, going back to uh, to my own choice, um, this is going to potentially. Well, it will sound uh, fairly egocentric, um, but um, for me, it it it's got to be um, the cover for my first comic book, uh, Milford Green. Yeah. So, um, thankfully, I didn't draw it, so I'm not that egocentric. Um, I, I, I came up with the idea and collaborated with uh, with uh, my um, good friend Michael Hankinen, um, who drew the drew the cover, um, and it's just he absolutely nailed it um, and got that sense of wonder that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, from the character and just the yeah the curiosity um for the for the first time reader of you know what's going on here there's kind of there's a space there's a aircraft crash landing in the background but there's a guy in a in a victorian um victorian dress reading a book staring at it and what is he thinking, basically? Um, so yeah, Mil- Milford Green um, comic. If you search that, then the cover will come up. 
Cool. Yeah, I don't think that's egocentric at all, man. I mean, I definitely have a, a sentimentality to the the first covers that ever came mm. out that for, for for my comics that I wrote because I mean that's a huge moment in your life uh, to do yeah. something like that to get this creative work out there. Uh, of course, you know, and yeah, I man. love like every cover that Jason does and sends me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just always blown away. And then we get a lot of cool variant artists, and I actually have a lot of the original right. drawings from variant artists because I just pick people who I want to like interpret, uh, um, like voracious or by mm-hmm. the horns, and you know, just to see what it would look mm-hmm. like through their own lens sensibilities, you know. But yeah, man, I gotta yeah. check out this Milford Green thing. You, what what is it about? Yeah, so Milford Green, um, it's about um, the the character that's on on that front cover there. He's called Alfie Fairfield. He's a socially awkward uh, inventor in Victorian England in the village of Milford Green um, when one day an alien spacecraft crash lands in front of him. Um, and uh, the the story unfolds from there, basically. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I'll, I'll hook you up afterwards, so, oh, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah no i'm excited to, uh, to read it Excellent. awesome man awesome um now uh moving on to um my next favorite question um and that is what's the most meaningful comic to you yeah uh, the most meaningful comic in my life is a uh, pedro and me uh by judd winnick which is a powerful uh, graphic novel from the year 2000 about the life of uh, Pedro Zamora, who was a gay activist on MTV's The Real World, San Francisco. And he ended up teaching mm-hmm. a generation of years what it was like to be a gay man living with AIDS. And he was, a, he was the very first person openly living with the virus to be on television. And uh, Judd mm-hmm. Winnick, who a lot of comic readers know now because he's worked on lots of of comic book series like Green Lantern and uh, Barry Ween, which was also a contender for funniest comic for me. Um, he was uh, <laughs> Pedro's roommate and his friend. So, so Pedro and me is the most meaningful comic to me because my uncle Donald was a gay man who lived with AIDS and I was mm-hmm. very close with him um, because he was just an incredibly kind and, and fun person to be around. But he was also a professional artist who, who loved and collected right. comic books his whole life. And he didn't get me mm-hmm. into comics, but he introduced me to a lot of interesting series that I ended up falling in love with, like uh, Alien Legion, which is one of my all-time favorite books. So we would geek out about comics a lot, and he would actually draw characters for me as well. So, cool. you know, it was um, it was heartbreaking when, you know, we found out that he had HIV and AIDS, and, and my family... Mm. my immediate family and I were with my uncle in the hospital and we died and I was holding his hand when that happened. So it was one Mm. of the most emotional moments in my whole life. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the time AIDS was something that people were really ignorant about and afraid of. And it was just especially difficult Mm -hmm. to be a gay person then. So I saw my uncle struggle, um, yeah. Not just with HIV and AIDS, but just with navigating this very homophobic and frightened society. Like we were talking about earlier, people were scared and they do these yeah. awful things. So reading Pedro and Tell me, 
after he died and just seeing how brave Pedro was and how he made it his mission to educate people about AIDS was, I don't know. It was like, it was uplifting to me, you know, and it was impactful to see this friendship that he had with, with Judd Winnick and, and Judd's, um, well, Pam, who was on the show then later became Judd's wife. And it just gave me a lot of hope because it was about love and kindness and informing people about something that they were scared about. And mm-hmm. um, just knowing that there were people out there who like stood by their friends or family during something like this, like uh, made a world of, yeah. of difference to me. And uh, my mother was also um, close to my uncle. My uncle is, was my dad's brother. And, but my mother was very close to my uncle and she had a hard time after he passed. So I gave her a copy of Pedro on me. And, and I remember her, telling me how touching it was to read that book and how it made her cry, but it also made her feel better. And um, so, yeah, it felt like a tribute to my uncle as much as, as it was a tribute to, to Pedro Zamora, if that makes sense. And, um, and I just, yeah. I really appreciate just the way I grew up. The fact that I had um, a gay uncle, I had, gay ants and it, it never no one ever had to sit down and tell me that they were gay and and explain yeah. all of it it didn't fucking matter you know mm-hmm. it's just like um no. they were just part of the family and my my parents there was never you know there's no homophobia or anything we just they just were people they were family yeah and um so pedro and me like i I just feel like that captures that. And that wasn't the case for a lot of yeah. people out there, especially at that time when mm-hmm. AIDS was so prevalent in the news and uh, they didn't have, you know, all the drugs and, and treatments that they have today. So, so yeah, always well. going to be my yeah. most favorite. And most. Yeah. Memorable. No, that, that's incredible, man. Yeah, totally. Um, that's so powerful. Um, and, uh, obviously such a, such a personal connection yeah. to that. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's just, it's amazing, um, that somebody was able to, to capture all of that and, and hopefully raise, raise awareness and hopefully make the world a better place. And, yeah. you know, that guy um, was 22 years old. Help people better understand. Time. Cause, cause that's all it, all it becomes 22 yeah. years old. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I mean, it's pretty, you know, isn't he stood it? in front of Congress. Yeah, and how brave! How how brave! Yeah. At that time, to be yeah, that right, and to use that real world as a yeah, platform yeah. to try to get out this information um, that mm-hmm. was so vital to understanding yeah. what the virus is about. So, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it made me, mm-hmm. it makes me love Jed Winnick too. Like I already love all his stories, but the fact that mm-hmm. he was there and like mm-hmm. so supportive of him because not everybody was in that house, you know, not everybody was in the world. Um, but yeah. to make that tribute That's to right. his friend who he didn't even know that often, but became so close with, you know, it just, it made, um, mm-hmm. it made a big impact on me. It made me hopeful about the world, you know? Yeah. That's it, man. Yeah. That's the silver, silver lining, isn't it? Yeah. That, um, yeah, it does. It does give you hope that, you know, um, people will stand up for what's right. And then, you know, the world will, change in accordance eventually might not be straight away but uh yeah hope hope for the future at least 
Yeah. And I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of uh, positive changes, um, you know, at, at that time, like yeah. gay people were just afraid to even say they were gay. And now, you know, I know it's crazy right? to think that, you know, yeah. there's all these, um, you know, shows and, and culture is it, it's, I wouldn't say it's like accepting everything, you know, but it's more mm-hmm. accepting than it was, you know, yeah. it, it's becoming, um, I guess just becoming more accepted by everybody in the mainstream. And, and I hope it yeah. just gets to a point where we don't even have to talk about it anymore. You know, it just is what it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely the norm, <laughs> yeah. you know, absolutely. Fantastic. Um, now, um, moving on to our next question, uh, what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Yeah, I'm going with the highest house by Mike Carey and Peter Gross. And it came right. out a few years ago from IDW. Um, in my opinion, Mike Carey is the most underrated comic book writer of all time. He's done like incredibly brilliant books like Lucifer, uh, Suicide Risk, The Unwritten. He did a great run on Barbarella a couple of years ago, and he wrote one of my all-time favorite Hellblazer stories. He did this uh, graphic novel called All His Engines. Um, but just every single thing he does flies completely under the radar, including The Highest House, which was one of the most amazing fantasy stories I've ever read. And the artwork in it is so detailed and doesn't look like anything else and, and, and unique. And, and it should be on issue 50 by now. But instead, we only got six issues. <laughs> and I don't know if the team's ever oh, going to come man. back and, and, and finish the series. I did read like two days ago that it got optioned for television. But even that barely made the, mm. the news. It, it made zero waves. So um, <laughs> Highest House is about this slave boy named Moth who makes friends with this powerful entity called Obsidian who is imprisoned within this house, the Highest House. And the entity promises him um, advancement and happiness if Moth does uh, what he asks. So, you know, the book deals a lot with like class structure and, um, you know, it's very fantasy based, but it, and it's gorgeous to look at. It's just a captivating um, narrative, I think, that uh, um, I just haven't seen anything quite like that book. Um, mm-hmm. I think part of the re well, all Mike Carey's books just don't seem to do that. Well, he's pretty, does, does pretty well as a novelist. I love his novels too, but, um, his comics just don't seem to make, uh, as big a mark as I think in this case, they made these, like these oversized books, which I hate. I do not like the oversized books. Cause I don't know where to hell I'm going to store them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so maybe that had part contributed to part of it, you know, um, DC black label sometimes right. does, does that. They don't always do it, but they're like, they're unwieldy. They're like really hard to store those things. Um, hmm. I, I love the book so much. I like, I've interviewed Mike Carey cause I used to do um, a podcast called colloquium where it was like a one-on-one podcast where uh, we just talk about a single book and, um, for like a couple right. of hours. Uh, we didn't talk about that one. We talked about suicide risk, but um, later on I told Mike Carey, I was like, can you maybe do a Kickstarter? Cause they weren't making money on the book. That's why I didn't continue. Can you do a Kickstarter? I'll, I'll do the Kickstarter for you. I will do it for you. <laughs> yeah. Just so we can yeah exactly. Book. I will put it all up. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, you know, I might take you up on that. And it's, I never heard back from him. Um, I met him once at, um, 
a convention called Fable Town and Beyond, and the guy is like one of the nicest people I've ever met in comics. Just a really gentle soul, just so smart. Yeah. And so I just I want to see Mike Carey have a hit series somewhere in comics because mm-hmm. I just think he's I think Lucifer is a better book than Sandman, and you know how Sandman is revered. And of course it's an offshoot. So it's always going to be in the shadow, but um, yeah, man, highest house, I think uh, is phenomenal. I hope that the, the, the people who picked it up um, to take it to another medium that uh, it goes through. Cause we know when you pick up a show, it doesn't mean it's going to get made. Hopefully it gets made and it's successful. And that means that Mike Carey and Peter Gross could come back and do, and do more issues. Cause I mean, they clearly built it to be an epic series it's not meant to be six issues mm-hmm. done yeah and just so yeah finish it in six issues yeah. <laughs> not so good have you read it man i have not i've not so this is another one um this that's getting added um to to the reading pile i assume there's a there's a trade paperback for yeah, it there's a trade um, considering it was issues. just six only issues. six issues yeah yeah I mean, exactly that's crazy man yeah i just um that's the that's the creator. Mike Carey is the creator. I want to have like a big book. You know, he's even worked on X Men, even his X Men stuff, which was really good. Kind of flew under the radar as well, because there were other creators who were working at it, and you know, they got the lion's share of the of the press. So it's just a weird phenomenon that somebody yeah. that good just I don't know. It's just like not hitting for some reason, and I don't. I just don't get it. Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, what, what is what it? It just happens favorite? like that sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you have an underrated comic? Do you think that that people need to underrated read for me? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, people say I'm not sure I've read enough. I've been on underrated yeah. a couple times for for by the horns. You know, even though we've been on like like I mentioned, yeah. we've been on some best of lists, yeah. but you know, it's still. I think yeah. it's harder these days, anyways, because there's just so many comics coming out. So to to get that is it yeah eyes on your comic is just, it's more difficult but yeah if you think i think one, yeah then... just kind of just i think just generally i think comics just in general are underrated interesting um just as a as a medium and i think that potentially i don't know we need a we need to do a better job in terms of outreaching to people that don't read comics maybe right um i don't know um and uh yeah i mean because obviously i came through comics via a tv show um but um becoming aware of of what's available is just such a magical world it's incredible (laughs) um and i absolutely love it and i i just want to introduce that to all of my all of my friends and family and you know everybody that i come across really um and I guess I just maybe we just need to think of different ways of trying to introduce people to the medium, um, perhaps. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think I mean because all part. of the stories are there, which is great. Yeah, I, I, I hope this so. This podcast is, is really all about that, right? Because people are giving recommendations yeah. for a book. So I, 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 that's what I really yeah. love about this cast is that you're oh, all, thanks, you're man. asking really interesting questions. I mean, I love that I don't have to. I mean, I do love doing uh, casts where I talk about my books, but to talk about some of these other books that I love or experiences that I've gone through and why I love a book the way I do, 
um, like Pedro and me, like all the books I've been talking about, you know, I think that's pretty mm-hmm. powerful. So hopefully people read or listen to it and, um, and all your casts and like pick up books. You know, I know I have, like, I've been listening to it. I, like, I got to check this book. Out. Yeah. I, we were talking today uh, and I'm like, I got to cool. pick up these books. I got to pick up your book. So I like that <laughs> Thanks, part of it, spreading the word, you know? Okay. Yeah, totally. And DNA, I really appreciate that. I hope, um, I hope that's true, and that I hope that people um, that don't necessarily read comic books maybe come across this and hear all the recommendations from from fellow creators, and you know, um, their eyes are open to the to the wonderful world that is comics. Um, so yeah, no, um, well, all I are think- welcome in the world of comics. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't want to toot your horn too much, but I love that you just came to comics late <laughs> and you love them so much yeah. that you decide I'm going to do this freaking podcast that celebrates comics <laughs> and also the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, too right. You, you, you can't have the uh, sweet without the sour, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, no, that's awesome. Appreciate that. Uh, now, coming on to our penultimate question um and that is what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics yeah man this is a super tough question because normally i would ask a friend what kind of stories they enjoy before giving them a suggestion so if i know a friend likes Mm -hmm. crime yarns for example i might say something like scalped or 100 bullets however Mm -hmm. that said i would not hesitate to give anyone fangs by sarah anderson it's a it's a little hardcover book of humor and romance between a vampire named Elsie and a werewolf named Jenny. And most people are familiar mm-hmm. with these two monsters, of course, and enjoy stories with them. But even if you don't like werewolves or vampires, I guarantee you, you still will love Thanks because it's charming, it's sweet, it's funny as hell. Uh, when I heard about this book, I almost passed it up because I thought I had my fill of vampires forever. And I, I was wrong about that. It's about these two creatures of the night getting to know each other. Um, they meet this bar and start dating. And they do these mundane, daty, domestic things like enjoying horror movies together, taking strolls, <laughs> dining out. But everything gets twisted through their particular monster sensibilities. So Jimmy is basically a big dog. So just picture him doing very dog-like things. <laughs> and Elsie is a hunter who looks at everything like it's prey. So I've read this book at least 10 times uh, all the way through. And it only came out a couple of years ago. I, I believe it might have been a web comic first, and then I got it collected in the hardcover. Uh, but if you want to read something that uh, will make you smile, chuckle, and just want to hug everything, definitely pick up Fangs. Uh, you will not be disappointed by this book. Nice, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, going back to that what we were talking about just now um it is about trying to find those series that are kind of the gateway drug um into into comics and this this sounds like a perfect um introduction for people yeah and it's like most of the stories are like a page or two pages you know what i mean so like Great. you could read a because yeah. it's like a strip like a like a web comic put in a one it has mm. a, an overall story as it goes it feels mm-hmm. like but you could just read like, it's almost like a vignette. You know what I mean? Like you, you read yeah. it and you're like, oh, that was good, good. And then you're on to the next thing. And I think that's um, 
a really good way for people to get comics because you don't have to be super invested in this like really intricate storyline that's going on you you're invested in the characters and then what they're doing and watching their relationship progress as as they do these very domestic things that you do yourself and so i think um you know, actually, I should have my wife read this. I don't think I've given it to her yet. I'm going to do that tonight. <laughs> Bingo. Do it, man. <laughs> yeah. What would cool. you recommend? Would you recommend Walking Dead or do you have another one that you would actually recommend? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does always come back to that thing that, you know, every <laughs> all of my guests do say, as you said, you know, it depends on, on what they want, um, yep. what what kind of genres they, they like. Um, and it is about trying to find a genre um, that they um, – um well I, I one that everybody would like right. um and i and i think mm, yeah i'm i'm slightly torn but i <laughs> think that potentially um invincible could do it mm. maybe yeah. um because just because it's i mean you you do have to get past the first six issues for the twist um and then once you although you know they they they're not if they're not into comics and they're not aware of kind of usual superhero mm-hmm. tropes so you know they might not be so surprised. <laughs> I don't know by, right. by the by the issue issue six twist, but um, what do you call it? I think that because Robert Kirkman does such a good job in terms of keeping it, you know, pretty fast paced and also funny, action packed. It's got drama in it as well. Um, I think The Walking Dead um, has got all of those things to a certain extent as well, but. At the same time, I think maybe the horror element might not be everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, that's a good so one because um, that's, that's kind of what I gave it. It was on my short list too because, um, but I was like, should I do superhero? I don't know. Everybody does know about superheroes now because obviously they're I the know. most popular movies yeah. in the world. But they're just super yeah. relatable characters in there, and it's like um, he's in yeah. high school, and everybody's gone yeah. through that. So I think. Yeah. You know, reading it, you, you, you definitely going to see some of yourself in there, especially if you're a common mm-hmm. reader or I guess anybody who's really gone through high school, you see that experience and what it's like to try to come into your own or like want something more for yourself, you know, um, and navigating relationships between, um, you know, romantic relationships, but also between your parents and, and, and other people um, who are in your life. So I, I think that's what Kirkman excels it. I was really happy to see the cartoon really brought that out. I thought mm-hmm. it might lean more towards the heavy yeah. action, but it didn't. It 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 focused on the yeah. the family aspects, on um the character aspects, which I think is the strongest part of Invincible. The superhero shit is cool. Of course. Yeah. But um Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. That's a good but one. The character stuff is really good. Yeah, no, I mean yeah. they did it, they did do a great job with the cartoon, I thought. Um yeah. and the um and the cast was really, was really well cast um, as well, I thought. Yeah, um, yeah no, um, they did a great job in, in, in adapting it. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to how they, to season two and what they do with that. Because um, they, they made some good changes 
as well um and kind of polished it up to to where we are today and things as well which mm-hmm. was really good um yeah no they kept and, they kept uh, the yeah. um the conversational aspect of it they kept the character development mm-hmm. and they kept all the violence in it you know uh, but then yeah. they just tweaked things here or there which is nice because I don't like a straight yeah. adaption. That's what I like about Walking Dead too, because they, no. they definitely yeah. use the stories that um, came from the book, but then they twist it or they add more yeah. characters, and so you're not quite sure how it's going to turn mm-hmm. out because it's not going to turn yeah. out exactly like the comic. And I like that because I want to be a little bit no. surprised because I already read the comic, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know what? So I don't know if you've been watching the the latest season of Walking Dead, um, but uh, well, the last as well, the last season. Um, but I mean, I, I basically jumped off in season six or seven or something like that. And I haven't watched the past last couple of seasons, but I wanted to watch this last season and I've actually been pleasantly surprised um, with, with how they're starting to kind of wrap things up actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, no, if, if, if you did, if anybody out there did fall off the walking dead band bandwagon in uh, season six, seven, go, go back for this last season. They've, uh, they've done a good yeah. job. I would concur. Cause I, I've been watched, I've watched it since the beginning. I haven't fallen off of it. Um, yeah. there was a weird yeah. middle period about it. I think actually the last mm-hmm. couple of years have been really strong and um, I, yeah. I, um, I, they broke this last season into two parts. So I watched the first part. And now yeah. the newer parts come out. I haven't watched any of the newer ones. I think I'm just going to wait until mm-hmm. they're all out and watch them together because it's the very end of it. Nice. Although there's supposed to yeah. be spinoffs of it. So like, yeah, there will be right Carol now. And, and Carol are supposed to go off and have her own show or something. But but sure. yeah, I, I love it. I've always loved it, even when it was not as good, um, when it was mm-hmm. in a lull. But I think it's it's come back strong in the last few years. It just it hasn't it has. been talked about because a lot of people dropped off of it, you know, but yeah that's the. That's thing. good to know i'm um, glad you're digging it yeah no really really am and i mean you know that daryl and carol are, are, are two people two characters case in point that you know daryl doesn't exist <laughs> in in the comic right. and carol again spoiler alert dies early on in the comic um right. and uh those are you know two characters that have got nothing really to do with the comic per se really right. and they're like some uh, maybe my um, favorite and, and, and they've made the it their own <laughs> yeah yeah totally 100 percent, man yeah and i mean it's, it's uh, that's really powerful actually with the show is that you know they rick grimes is is no longer in the show um and you know it's it's still going strong as well so you know that's uh, that's really powerful when are we going to get those movies with Rick Grimes? I, I, they, they kept talking about yeah. them. This is like three movies with them or something. I know. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. Um, I guess yeah. when Andrew Lincoln's ready. <laughs> I and guess. Michelle like left to go find him and we haven't seen her. You know? like, well, <gasps> I don't know. She's of course. Showed up, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that'll be part of the film maybe. Um, it's got to be part of the know. film. It's just got to be. Surely. Ready. Surely. I'm dying to see those. They've been teasing it for years. They were like, they it's have. gonna be in the yeah, theaters. Yeah, no, I would be. It's gonna come out this. Yeah, year. we haven't seen anything. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I hope they're working working on it, and uh, that it will come to be. Um, so, yeah. fingers crossed, man. Fingers yeah. crossed. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, coming on to our last question, um, and that is, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? 
Oh, the second to last question. All right. Uh, yeah, this is an easiest choice for me. Um, without question, I take mm-hmm. the Meta Barons by Alejandro Jodorowsky and Juan Jimenez. It's a, a breathtaking generational mm-hmm. space opera that chronicles the adventures of five Meta Barons who are basically space mercenaries. So every Meta Baron is mutilated mm-hmm. by his father in his youth. So that his tolerance for pain can be tested. And then he receives a mechanical body part as a replacement for the one that dad hacks off. And uh, the cybernetic implants are crazy. The third meta baron's name is Steelhead. And the reason his name is Steelhead is because his father attempts to kill him and his mother saves his life by giving him a cybernetic head. So (laughs) it's just, (laughs) and that's not the craziest thing that happens in the book. uh, the story plays out a lot like a Greek tragedy because um, the son must eventually face his father in a battle to the death to rightfully become the next Metabaron. And the Metabarons follow the strict code of honor that, that demands that they dedicate themselves to victory at any cost, even if it means um, just forsaking their own family members. Uh, But the artwork in the, in the book by Jimenez is jaw dropping. It's, it's painted Mm-hmm. It's super detailed. It looks completely original. It makes you believe that you were in this other universe. And um, I just, it's probably my favorite artwork of all time. And I just like the idea of having a book about these badass cosmic mercs on hand. Like I can just pull it out during an alien apocalypse because you just see how much they'll, they'll fight you know, no matter what. And that's kind of what you would need in an alien apocalypse. Cause you're up against the wall, man. Like if aliens are coming down, you are not winning, especially on this planet. <laughs> no, we can't even like take care of healthcare in the United States. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I like that idea. Um, but it's also just, I love sci-fi comics. I tend to do a lot of sci-fi in my comics so um it's the perfect mm-hmm. one I, I don't i think it's like 10 issues and you get it in like a hardcover i have three or four different versions of the hardcover that's how much i love it so much. wow um yeah and there's been sequels and prequels to it but um that initial run from the meta barons actually came from another book called the inkle where the meta baron debuted which is also very good yes but it, that that mm-hmm. meta baron series um that 10 issue series is to me, it's like perfect comic book storytelling, just like widescreen action, just incredibly interesting ideas, um, unique characters, uh, just has everything in it and surprising, uh, almost That's every issue. Sure. Absolutely. Have you read that one? So yeah, um, I've, I've, uh, got path of the warrior. Um, and that was, um, that was based off of a recommendation from the show, um, probably around, you know, episode like 70 or something like that. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, um, I've, I've, I've totally read that and, uh, yeah, highly enjoyed it as well. And you're, you're totally right. It's kind of full of these really, um, interesting ideas and the artwork is just, yeah, out of this world, literally. It really is. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah, they've done some other really cool ones. Uh, um, I always f- pronounce his name wrong. It's like a, a Travis Charest or Travis Charest. Right. I don't remember. 
but he actually did a like part of a graphic novel called Weapons of the Meta Barons. And the, I mean, I love his artwork, but he didn't actually get to finish it, and somebody else had to finish it. But I always hoped that we'd see more. There's been more, um, but I wanted the original creators. But Juan Jimenez, you know, he passed away. Actually, was it this year? It might have been this year or last year, which is Yikes. sad oh, for me because, like I said, probably one of my very all-time favorite artists. Man, it's so sad. Um, the uh, the the likes of of him are, are, are passing away. We we are getting to that spot though, aren't we? I think like yeah. where a lot of the great artists, you know, from kind of you know seventies and eighties. A coming of age, um, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, long long live their uh, their artwork, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, guess, and, and, and you'll have to you'll have to thought. create that in the. Yeah, exactly. And you'll you'll have to create a library in the uh, Canadian wilderness mm. <laughs> as, a, as a result, <laughs> um, and try try and keep it all alive. You know, the underground <laughs> library. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Get on it. Um, and and on that note, um, along with your copy of the Meta Barons, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, uh, but there's really only one answer here for me, uh, Samuel. And uh, the useful item mm-hmm. I'd take with me is Bear Grylls, the host of shows like cool. Man vs. Wild and Running Wild <laughs> with Bear Grylls. Absolutely. Uh, Bear has made a career out of survival and outdoor adventure. He served in the British Special Forces and he's proficient in martial <laughs> arts. And he has his own survival academy. <laughs> Plus, he somehow survived being in the wild with whiny celebrities and he still remains completely upbeat and positive. So I think most people choose a weapon in the apocalypse. But like I said before, like it's aliens. Something like a gun is going to be completely useless against an alien invasion. <laughs> But I think with Bear Grylls by my side, <laughs> we can figure out a way to stealth stab an alien in the face and steal its flying saucer. Yeah. You know, that would be a contingency plan, of course, because um, um, we're not going to start shit. But if uh, one of those bastards wanders into our forest, we got it. We got to have we got to have something yeah. to give them. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully they'll just leave us alone. You're, you're going to sort him out. <laughs> we'll sort it out. Exactly. Uh, hopefully they'll just leave us alone because they don't want anything to do with trees, like I said. And Bear will just be free to train me to be a forest ninja. And he'll help us stay alive as long as possible in the deep, glorious wilderness forever. Amazing. I love it. That's absolutely fantastic. This one's for you, well, Bear. I'm drinking you. Yeah, too right. I love it. I love it. I was thinking outside the box, man. And uh, Marky San... Nasso, thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse. It truly has been an absolute pleasure. Man, I've had a blast today. Uh, I, I couldn't wait to, to do this show, Samuel. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, for the listeners one more time, where can they find you online? Yeah, uh, you can check out uh, my website at markasan.com. Uh, M-A-R-K-I-S-A-N. Um, I'm Darth San on Twitter. Darth Marcus on on Instagram. You can follow by the horns on social media um, at by the horns comic on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can listen to the metalheads podcast on your favorite podcast app, or just go to metalheadspodcast.com to play the episodes. 
you can follow Metalheads on Twitter at Metalheads Pod. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram, we're Metalheads Podcast. Nice. And then do you have any cons coming up this year at all? Oh, that's a good question. I think we're going to do C2E2. Um, I, so I lived in Hawaii cool. for two and a half years, but I just moved back to Chicago. So I lived in, I was born in cool. New York, but I moved to Chicago and lived in Chicago for 20 years, then moved to Hawaii for mm. two and a half. And so um, definitely going to do C2E2 if they let us in, you know. <laughs> sure they will. So me and Jason, because Jason also lives out here. Um, so that we always consider C2E2 our, um, our home base for for cons mm-hmm. so that's the only one i really have on the radar right now um because i've just bought a yeah. new house with my wife and uh, uh oh yeah <laughs> i don't know we'll we'll see i want to do some more i i really want to do well i've done heroes con um i really want to do new york city comic con because like i said i was mm-hmm. born there me too um, i want to i want to try and come out at some point oh yeah um i want to try and get a table and i want to go out there at some point i mean i'd love to go as a as a um as a punter as well yeah. but um i'd also like to table there at some point in the future yeah me too but, and i, I yeah. really want to go to dragon con too uh cool. which is like yeah. a you know very sci-fi fantasy based um mm-hmm. i think maybe that would be fun to do um, is that in Atlanta? I think it is. Um, and I've never been there, so I, I kind of want to go there. But uh, you ever, do you ever go to C2E2? No, no, I haven't been. Um, yeah. haven't been to any cons outside of the UK. Um, oh. So, <clears throat> yeah, um, it, it'd either be, uh, yeah, New York or C2E2 would be good as well. Um, Chicago's better and, city. Uh, yeah, no. I know because I've lived in Bingo. Both That's what I hear. <laughs> Sorry, all the New Yorkers out there. <laughs> Plus, we can get a beer. Right. Well, um, the internet decided to to kick us off of our connection <laughs> with like thirty seconds left to go. Um, but uh, Marcusan, you were saying that Chicago is better than New York, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's just a more inviting city. Uh, New York just tries to move faster and a little bit more claustrophobic. Uh, Chicago is a lot more inviting, friendly, and uh, C2E2 is a great, great show. So you should definitely try to to come out here. Not that you shouldn't go to New York because I want to do that too, but um, yeah, you know, consider it because I think you'll have a blast. A lot of great creators come out here awesome. too. So. And there's a lot of Sweet. creators who live in Chicago cool and and do i have a sofa to crash on oh absolutely i got we have a guest room uh got a big house now so yeah sure you could definitely do that tidy amazing i'll I'll hold you to that (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure and uh yeah um if you're ever in the uk you've you've also got a guest a guest room to sleep in oh, as well. excellent excellent I, I like that it's reciprocated and uh yeah thanks for 100%. having me on man i i really enjoyed myself and um you know hopefully if there is an apocalypse uh we'll both survive and, and we can meet up for beers in the canadian wilderness too right too right again marcus Sam, thank you so much and uh i'll uh i'll, I'll look forward to our meeting whether it being in an apocalypse or or uh, actual comic con <laughs> <laughs> all right man have a great one you too take it easy bye thanks again to marcus Sam for being on comics for the apocalypse it was an absolute pleasure 
If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use. As not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Marky Sand's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.